Let's say I know you can't really see us now. Beautiful. I'm gonna have to take a break. But we're not. It's not a, a video. Right. It's it's no. Audio. Yeah. I mean, just like for our own interaction, it's a little easier to see faces and stuff. But the audio is it's important. It's easier so. to see facial expressions and react. Oh. That's. But that's fine. We will survive. Can you guys still see me? Yeah. Oh, then this yeah, is then this is weird. Honestly, I mean, that's how it was last week when your camera was well, off and I, mine was on. That's true. Sometimes that's things true. just happen. Speaking of which, uh, this ended up being more work than I thought it was going to be or that uh, I probably yeah. made it more than it needed to be. But I wanted to try, like, oh, especially whenever we do, like, something with a guest, I want to try and make it as, like, cool and authentic as possible. So I even went through the steps of, like, making my own little uh, Mushu pancakes. Um, and uh, Did that go well or did that not go well? Actually, the, the Mushu pancakes were probably the best part of it. The first one that I tried to fry up didn't go super oh. well. The second one went better. I don't quite understand... The way the instructions describe it is you're supposed to smash them together and then you fry them up and then you split them apart. I don't quite understand why, but I'm assuming to make them more like moist and bendable or whatever. Yeah, we have the Indy 500 on in the background for us to Fantastic. set the mood. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so you need me to silence it for you? I just... Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, should we get started? Let us begin. He's already started. Look, he's, he's... <laughs> Matt's already started. He's out of the curve. I uh, I'm a little uh, off kilter here. I'm still I'm still reeling from the the smoke and everything that I created while attempting to cook, and it. Uh, but yeah, you so, smoked out your kitchen. I have to hold this coaster down because it's gonna just like fly oh, off every time I pick up my drink. So how, how is your uh, pineapple martini there? Oh, the on the on the plus side, the par, pineapple martini went super well. Um, it is act, absolutely delicious, and on a hot Memorial Day weekend, it is very refreshing. Good. Yeah, it's it's, very it's good, good for hot weather. Definitely. How hot is it down there? Not very hot. No. Well, if you go out in the sun, it's hot, but it's about what? I'd say 63. Yeah. Really? Wow. It's already it's almost 80 here. Oh. Damn. Ew. Well, yeah, and it's it's <laughs> especially weird because like the evenings are still very much in spring territory. So, like, yesterday I woke up and it was about 40, and then it got to be, like, 81 or 82 by the end of the day. Okay. And it's like, how the hell do we have a 40-degree shift? Oh, that's normal. I was going to say, that's oh, normal yeah. here. <laughs> oh, well, ew. <laughs> like, because it's so refreshing in the morning, and then the evening is just so, well, the afternoon, I mean, is just so oppressive. I don't like it. Right. I don't like the heat. Yeah, I'm not a huge I don't like that fan. about Denver. It's hot. I miss being up in the mountains where it's 
10 to 15 degrees cooler than Denver, like all the time. It's one thing I kind of miss about uh, being in Fargo is it would often be drier, but um, there's so much wind that it just kind of blows the the heat away. So even on like 95 degree days, it's always a little more cool because even if you're even if you're overheating and and sweating a lot, the the breeze just keeps you nice and regulated. Right. That sounds nice. Yeah. But uh, out here where I live in old Chippewa Falls, there's a lot of moisture kicking up already, and it is just it's just becoming sort of stagnant right now and just humid and hot. Not a fan. Yeah, I don't like humid and hot. Humid and hot is worse than dry and hot. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's just, you get like hot and sweaty and sticky all at the same time. And it's just, oh, Gabriel's grabbing up our mushu pork right now. I keep. We, we put him in charge of cooking. I was going to say, I keep forgetting that you have this, like, a professional chef. I keep looking at my phone. <laughs> I'm dropping shit. I, I use three I, pans. Oh my god! I'm I'm making him day off is like what I'm really doing. <laughs> That's how you know it's a passion. You had yesterday, I know, making him work, put in that the effort to make us something delicious. Um, would I be correct in assuming he did the the same recipe? Yes, okay. we. I sent him the recipe that uh, my dad sent yeah, no, I me that I sent to you. I read it and I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I read it and chose to do something else. (laughs) He followed it more like guidelines. Mm. And instead of using pancakes, we're using lettuce wraps. Mm. It's our gluten-free alternative. That sounds like it would have been so much faster and easier. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Making the pancakes. Well, Celine told me, she goes, you know, the the pancakes have gluten in them. Mm. And you're gluten intolerant, maybe we do the lettuce wraps instead. I'm like, fine. But apparently she didn't pass that on to you. <laughs> well, that's fine. I mean, well, because I figured we'll we'll have options for mm-hmm. listeners. Options for them. No, that's a good try. well, and the re- the recipe that you sent also says like that um even though it's called mushu pork, like the name essentially comes from the little pancakes. You don't need to use the pancakes. They're like you can eat just the the stir fry itself. You can put it over rice, um, but uh, I figured I'd give it a try, and it uh, it went it went okay. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the <laughs> it it was like I said. I I still don't think I entirely understand why you're supposed to mash them together to make like one disc thing and then you later separate them but i'm i'm imagining it so that like the inner side of them is more moist and easier to like fold and hold and that kind of thing yeah right. and like for if you want to fill it with scallions or anything like that oh yeah well thanks everybody for sitting down with us and welcome to this fresh disaster that uh at least this episode for me uh called uh peculiar pairings hello my name is matt i'm Celine. And our special guest today is my dad, Kevin. Hello, Kenny. Welcome to our show. So, you picked our topic today. So, what are we talking about for our listeners? We're talking about mushu pork 
pineapple martinis and minorities in NASCAR. Oh, okay. All right. I thought it was just NASCAR sort I'm of in general. Excited. But I'm interested to see where where everything goes. Yes, yes. Yeah, because NASCAR has a bunch of different um, levels. It starts at the ARCA, which is the lower level. Oh. And then you go to the Xfinity Series. And then you go to the Cup Series. And there's a bunch in between. There's dirt track racing and um, oh. go-karts. You know, it, it's been around for a long time. I'll be honest. I didn't realize you know, all of that was NASCAR. Reason. A lot of it's affiliated with NASCAR, yes. Oh, okay. NASCAR I would not have guessed. Sanctioned events. And, um, you know, it, it all started, really, um, the first race was like around 1947, but NASCAR was kind of invented before that, that because it was all done from uh, bootleggers. Mm. <laughs> So they could haul their hooch out of where they're making it to sell it without the prohibitionists coming in and uh, taking over. That seems stopping them. Yeah, that seems like such a wonderfully like perfect American origin story. It's like we built this entire industry right. of racing on trying to get illegal booze somewhere. Right. Right. So you know it, it started before the. First race, Daytona, and um, you know Daytona is now an oval track, and it used to be just a straight track. Oh. They'd run up and down the beach and had the who mm. had the fastest car. It was almost like a drag race, and um, and it just grew from there. And um, you know everybody's like, well, there's not a lot of minorities in uh, NASCAR when in actuality. Go back if you can find it. There are because some of the best bootleggers were African Americans. Oh, okay. And they do the bootleg, making the boot, and they get these other guys to drive it. So you know it. It's pretty interesting. There has not been a bunch of. Uh, African American drivers. There've been a few, but many of them are, you know, from the South, white guys, right? And you know, mm -hmm. and, and driving, you know, in NASCAR because NASCAR is very expensive to run. I mean, oh, nowadays, I to own one car is going to cost you about. $15 million a year. Oh, my God. For one car? Is that just keeping up the maintenance of everything? Or, like, does that also include, like, when your car gets totaled? Well, no. Maybe, well, it could. It could. It could. Okay. But, but the biggest part is those cars are over a million dollars a piece. So mm. you crash them into the wall and they go to pieces. Um, You just threw a, a million dollars out the window oh. over and as long as the driver doesn't get hurt you're okay <laughs> yeah you happen to know how Who much would you say oh sorry go ahead <laughs> i'm gonna say 
Who would you say has been the biggest person in NASCAR racing? Oh, the biggest? Yeah, just just from like beginning from when it started to now. Oh, there's a, a list. Richard Petty was probably one of the biggest. Uh, mm-hmm. Dale Earnhardt Sr. Not Junior. Junior was. I was going to say Junior's pretty good. Junior was pretty good. Did uh, he retire? Yes. Ah. And Jimmy Wallace. Or not. Um, Jimmy Johnson, excuse me. Um, and then, um, oh, there's a bunch of them that are, you know, pretty solid in that. And they, and the, the ones that, um, the youngsters that are coming out now are like crazy. Like Chase Elliott, they, they're, they're off the hook. Good. Um, one of the ones that went from, you know, IndyCar to NASCAR, Danica Patrick. Oh, yeah. Female. Yep. And uh, she retired a couple years ago. And, yeah. Um, but she was a great IndyCar racer. She never really won, but she had a lot of top 10 finishes. And then um, in NASCAR, she did okay. And, um, you know, you just you just got to kind of see and and dive down into it. Um, you know, there's a a gal now that um, Brianna Daniels, um, that is the first black female pit crew or oh. pit member. How many pit members are female in general? Because I think not, it's next to none. Not very many. Mm-hmm. Very, not very few. Many. Um, the the big uh, minority drivers that we have right now are uh, Bubba Wallace and Daniel Suarez. So Bubba, Bubba Wallace is an African American, mm-hmm. and Daniel Suarez. Uh, Mexico and Cuban American. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm gonna say other than that, like I feel like NASCAR is not super diverse. No, when just and is that something that happened just as they established NASCAR as like a racing platform, or do you think that has to do with no, I think like the cost of cars potentially? Well, like I think originally NASCAR started out as you know, kind of a uh good old boys network mm-hmm. you know so then mm-hmm. um and if you had family that was running the cars it just kind of went into the kids into the family into yeah the family and then um it stayed in the family it stayed in the family but now they're they're really trying hard it doesn't matter the cost of the cars or that is the diversity is trying to get more diverse and mm-hmm. that, you know, they get, um, and by being more diverse, they get more female drivers, they get mm-hmm. more um, African-American drivers, they get more Mexican-Cuban drivers or, or whoever. I mean, I don't know, honestly, of there being a single driver that is of um, African descent. Now, in... Um, 
AAPI, what the hell is that? <laughs> I'm an Asian American Pacific Islander. Okay. There. So yeah. I know there's some South African drivers that do like the IndyCut series and that. But as far as um, NASCAR, not so much. And it's not it, it, occasionally when NASCAR runs a road track where they're running around on a rack, you know, it's not your traditional oval roundy round. They, uh, they'll yeah, isn't it like partially made out of actual like city streets? Right, right. And what they do on those is they um, will occasionally bring in somebody that specializes in driving, you know, road track courses. Mm, God mm -hmm. damn it. <laughs> For our viewers at home who can't see what's happening, my stepmom is stealing my dad's drink. Oh. And so, the number of times that they was offered to make her own drink. Oh, um, you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> and that will not be edited out. <laughs> Absolutely not. The truth <laughs> must be known. So, I do have some fun facts for NASCAR for you both as we're talking about it. Um, my first fun fact is that the physical cars can generate enough downforce for them to physically drive upside down. Really? In theory. In NASCAR? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'd always heard that about... Uh, it's the combination. Yeah, I'd always heard that about, like, Formula One racers and some indie cars. I wouldn't have guessed that, like, standard mm -hmm. NASCARs would have been able to do that. Yeah. So it's a combination of, like, the car aerodynamics, mm -hmm. the speed, which can go up to 200 miles an right. hour, and the airflow combined with the downforce onto the track that, in theory, <laughs> they have enough force that they could drive upside down because it would keep them to the track. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would actually work. I was going to say, the, just, have the emphasis on in theory. Like, uh, mathematically we can uh, work uh, out, like, uh, like that there's enough downforce that it would it would counteract gravity. But, like, nobody... I imagine just at this point, we've never had anybody who's built a, like, a long enough track or, like, a tunnel where they could actually attempt it. And they probably never will, because it seems yeah. like it would be really expensive just for kind of a cool trick. But, I mean, we could get Red Bull to do it. They seem to fund yeah. a lot of cool, crazy stuff. They'd probably be into it. Well, yeah. you'd have to do um, kind of a vacuum tunnel. Well, you know, yeah. Like they do the speed train. Then. Yeah. <laughs> but if you look at the NASCAR cars, when they spin around... Or they go upside down, they got flaps yeah. that come up. And those flaps mm. are re are there to get that downforce so the cars aren't just tumbling end over end over end. They're not just and flying through the air, spinning flying, around. Right. Like, you know, I think Michael Wallace he had, had a wreck in, um, I don't remember what track it was. He, he hit the um, infill. And rolled the dang car like eight or nine times. 
and he's a big boy. He's a tall boy. And um, it took him forever to get the car turned over. And he came climbing out of it like, well, that was a good ride. That was a good ride. <laughs> he was a nerd. I was going to say, I imagine they do invest quite a bit of, of like technology into anti-roll or, or like like anti-crumple stuff. So it's like there's just this kind of roll cage inside the frame of the car so that if it does do that, it's like, well, the driver will be protected because they can't be hurt with inside this sort of safe zone. Mm -hmm. But I like the idea that he just kind of gets out and he's like, right. well, where's yeah. the next one? Let's do it again. Right? Yeah. Right? And and that's what they do. I mean, ever since um, Dale Earnhardt Sr. died, they implemented the Hans device. Oh, what's that? And mm -hmm. that was a device that, well, what it does is it straps on the helmet mm -hmm. and into the seat so that your neck oh. doesn't, and the head doesn't hit around. And that's what, um, with Dale Earnhardt Sr., he hit the wall at a pretty good speed, but it wasn't, didn't look like that big of a crash, but it was the right angle. Oh. And um, it snapped his neck. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You know, and ever since then, that, ever since then, they implement, implemented the uh, Hans device so that mm. it straps in on your helmet and around you so that. If you do hit the wall at a goofy angle or whatever, it keeps your head and neck stable. No. So you may yeah. still get a broken ankle or something like that, but um, it's better than your head coming off. <laughs> yeah, without a This actually be my next fun fact. Oh, <laughs> I have more fun facts for you. So part of that, which since his crash, which I actually have a date for it was the last lap of daytona 500 mm -hmm. on february 18th 2001 mike Wallace won that race wow there has not been a death in nascar top series since then wow that's and impressive. part of implementing that device i know considering how many accidents happen i feel like that's pretty good right right but with the installation of that device part of it is that drivers can experience up to six g's of force oh, on their necks when driving oh god which actually kind of makes me wonder why they haven't put something in sooner for it but well, my wife drives like an experience six g's of force on my <laughs> that's a lot of g's I mean, lucky. those are some tiny words. I'm always going to fight you later. That is, I mean, that is almost like uh, that is almost like Top Gun Maverick level speeds. That's impressive, and that's on a roadway. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, these cars are going hella fast. Yeah, yeah. Most on on the big motor speedways like Daytona, Talladega. Those, those cars are circling around about 200 and 225 miles an hour. Yeah. So it's not it's not like your average, well, I would say it's not like your average highway driving, but up here anymore, it's pretty dang close. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's speeding down I-70, 90 miles an hour. Yeah. Everyone's in a in a NASCAR race every day, and everyone's trying to win as hard as they can. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a race everywhere. 
It's actually kind of the opposite uh, here. Everybody, like, there's a citywide speed oh. limit here of 25. And uh, I, I never thought that I would miss living in the city. But when you're sitting behind someone at an intersection and there's, like, four of you in a row at a stop sign and every other direction is clear, there's no other cars, I'm just sitting in the back. I'm like, all right, let's go. It's a stop sign. You can just go. And we're at, like, a field. So you can see in every direction for, like, three miles. And you're like, there's nobody here. You can just go. And then that person finally goes. And I'm like, okay, okay. Next person, they've had a moment to already see that there's nobody there. And then and then they sit and they, like, look back and forth. And it just drives me nuts because I'm like, as much as I enjoy living away from a lot of people, I found that living out in the countryside definitely also has its detriments because I, I still have kind of a lead foot. And I'm like, I want to get to where I'm going as fast as possible. And everybody's just really taking their time. I kind of I kind of envy the, the big freeways where everybody <laughs> pretends like they're in a NASCAR race. Right. I, I can say driving in Denver, I don't know if I necessarily prefer that because it is like every man for themselves. Nobody's <laughs> using turn signals, yeah. cutting each other off. And they actually just lowered the speed limit in the city of Denver from oh. 35 miles an hour to 30. Oh, no. <laughs> I imagine a lot of people are going to be like, upset oh, about that. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people were not happy about it, but <laughs> I'm like, oh. Denver is a dangerous place. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's in a race. Nice. Ready to run as, drive as fast as they They're can. They're looking for that checkered flag, and it's never going to come. It's never going to come. <laughs> We're never going to see that flag. Never. All right. What, what other fun stuff do you have for us, Dad? Ooh. I bit my tongue. Oh, no! Oh. <laughs> I hate it when that happens. Ouch. Right? I'm like, you get to a certain age, like, like even just like in high school, if you do that, you're like, I feel like my motor functions at this point in my life would have been developed to where I wouldn't do that. And it, it never seems to stop. Like, how is it possible that at this stage in my life I could ever make a mistake like that? Right, right. It still happens. It's so frustrating. It's, uh... I'm haunted by the experience <laughs> of it. And then it, and then it like shaking. It, yeah. It's traumatizing. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the first decade or so of NASCAR racing. The transportation of illegal alcohol mm. in the South were huge business, right? And uh, a lot of the sport early started to drive owners to build cars that would go faster and faster and faster. Mm. And then, While still transporting alcohol, and, right? Uh, right, right. Yeah. right. Um, Bill Francis Sr organized a meeting at the uh, one of the Streamline Hotel in Daytona Beach. And that's where they, you know, kind of came in and decided that, you know, we got to make a race out of this. We got to do something about this and bring in and generate money because 
booze is getting shut down. Mm. And um, so they they started into what was originally called stock car, car racing. Yeah. So I was actually going to ask you that. I was wondering if NASCARs are generally still considered to be stock cars or not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is technically what NASCAR stands for. It's the National Association of Stock Car Racing. Oh, right. That makes but a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. But the biggest thing is a stock car is what you go and buy off the car lot. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't go buy one of them off the car exactly. No, you're building that car in your garage to your specification. Yeah, that's why I always thought it was such an odd name. With a really good mechanic. Right. <laughs> well, I guess at the time when they started, it would make sense. It's just the car you have, you right. do what you can with it. So at this point, yeah, the well, name is more just like know, tradition. They're they, like you said, they're not stock in the sense that you can you can just go buy them off of a lot somewhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're all made, and it's it's crazy, but um, they uh. They're high tech, very high tech. Mm. They're very expensive, and um, you know it's just the the biggest thing is that NASCAR needs to diversify more as far as you know women driving and minorities driving, and you know they're not they're working on, it, but they're not getting it done fast enough. Yeah, but a lot of it is because I think. A lot of women and a lot of minorities realize that it's kind of set up right now as the good old boys club. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it it's hard to break in. You can start. I mean, it's even with drag racing that, you know, it's still, I mean, there's some dang good female drag racers, but it's the reason they're good at drag racing is because their dad was a dad drag racer, you know. <laughs> their dad was the drag racer, and he said had the only girl. So heavenly girl, you teach them the whole ass, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of the same of like, oh, it's it's being passed down in the family still, right? right? It's. It's still, you know, it's still getting passed down in the in the family. It's it's somewhat like um, horse racing. Mm -hmm. It's all mm -hmm. brought down through the family, you know. Yeah. It's um, you know, well, I can... one of the most <clears throat> successful. Yeah, I could see how that's a a tough barrier, but also a necessary barrier that they would want to pass because, like, they have this whole extra group of the population like regard like whatever minority you're trying to go after they don't see themselves represented in the sport so they maybe have less interest in it overall so if nascar could get that inclusion then they could you know grow their audience but it's hard to grow the audience when you don't really have a, a lane so to speak to like get that diversity growth like happening quickly right mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, racing is one of the sports that um, you can put a female driver in a car, you can put a male driver in the car, and 
anybody else in car and run around unlike basketball or football. Mm, you can't mm-hmm. That is true. Swim. You cannot put females in unless they're a damn good kicker and they <laughs> everybody protects the shit out of her. I'd totally be a kicker on a football team. Yeah, awesome. You know, and the same with I wouldn't be a linebacker, I'd be a kicker. Right. Is this the same with like basketball? I mean, basketball has diversified into the uh, they've got their own female league, right? The WNBA uh, and others. Yeah. And you know, golf. They've got oh right, the women's golf, the Mm -hmm. men's golf, and men's soccer, women's soccer. But um, as far as like any of the other kind of team sports, and they kind of consider NASCAR as a team sport because yeah, one owner may have several different cars, and then you've got your pit crew and um, all of that that come into play. It's like it's not just it's not just the, the driver. driver. Yeah. It's, it's about the pit crew, the spotters. I don't know. I'm trying to find out if there is a single female spotter. And the spotters are the ones that sit up on the top of the track with mm-hmm. their binoculars or their sight glasses to um, tell somebody whether there's somebody low, somebody high, if there's a crash ahead, any of that. And I have not yet found anything out about a female spotter so yeah you know i that's where they can start one of the things and they've already started with the female pit, pit crew gal right right rihanna and so, so you know they're they're working on it they're just they're kind of slow they're kind of sort of ironic for a a sport that's based on going super fast right i wish i could find more female plotters yeah but i can't find them that's true i don't blame them if i was a female i wouldn't want i gotta do (laughs) you know what is interesting to me is that of the people who watch nascar 38% 38% of their fan base is women, which oh, is higher than watching football in the NFL. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, not by like a huge percentage. It's like, I think about 30% are women for the NFL. Mm-hmm. But for NASCAR, it's 38. So I feel like that's pretty interesting considering that there aren't tons of women. In right, the yeah. There's not a ton of women in the sport. But you know what? Them damn women like to go party and have a good. That's true. We're <laughs> just drinking, on, drinking, watching the track. They're having a pretty it's, damn good time. Yeah, it's very much like the NFL. It is very much a party sort of sport. It is. It is. I'd say more so than like football, basketball, or hockey, yeah. even. Even though like football has tailgating, so does NASCAR. Mm-hmm. Well, they do, but you know the thing. The thing about it is, with um, football, you got your tailgating before the game. Yeah, basketball <laughs> kind of, but you basketball's yeah. in the middle of winter and it's cold it's not... hell. You don't want to be out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, uh, same with hockey. But the other thing is that NASCAR, it's usually a 
it's kind of like a concert event because mm. generally they have um, the Xfinity series beforehand and then yeah. the Cup series the next day. And then usually sometimes or most of the time before even the Xfinity, they have the truck series. Oh. Camp oh. series. And so it's kind of like a, a three-day concert event. So you it's go, like a Coachella weekend yeah, right, of right, driving. Right. So you go into the infield if you can oh, luckily okay. enough to get tickets, you take your RV in there mm -hmm. and bring all your food, everything you need. Bring all your friends, pack yeah, it in. Pack in, go in there, camp out for three days. And if you get drunk and fall off the top of your RV, oh, well, hopefully you don't break it. <laughs> I'll be honest, I've seen images. Oh, it's not that yeah, hard of a fall. I've seen images of that kind of thing with all the campers on the inner side of the track. I always assumed that was like lodging for teams and pit crews and stuff. Those are just fans. Well, a lot of them. A lot of them are fans, but pit crews have their own kind of section up away. Oh, okay. So that they've got their they they come in with their semis and they'll have two or three cars in those semis. So during practice, the guys go out and our gals, whoever's driving, goes out and traders the car, then they got a backup car. Mm. Now when they have a crater a car during qualifying laps and they get out of a backup car. They still have to qualify, but then they have to start to the back of the track. Oh, oh. the back one, so that it, they they get penalized for wrecking even in qualification. So I didn't realize you got like penalties like that. I figured if you wrecked, if you didn't make the time, like that's just too damn bad. No, no. You if you if you wreck during qualification, they bring out the backup car. You still got to qualify, but you got to start at the back of the pack. Yeah. And oh, then, okay. you know, they get penalties for pit road violations going too oh. fast into the pits, oh, okay. leaving the pits too fast. There's, you know, there's a lot of... There's well, a lot more involved than it looks. Yeah, and there's a lot of, um, like, tire violations. If you go to change oh. somebody's tire and it rolls across... The pit roll into the infield there. That's a violation. Yeah. You got to take a lap down. Or you yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you would lose whole laps. So it is That's more of a team sport in that you have all those interactions. Right. Do you think that those right. kinds of regulations are yeah. primarily for safety or just kind of like standardization of uh, like speed, essentially? No, I, I think it's, it, well, never I think it's speed thing but then also i think it's that yeah they don't want if you want everybody's on the outside of the wall waiting for the car to come in right right and they don't want a car sliding in and crush somebody into the wall makes sense. so yeah you know it's it, the biggest thing is is a safety issue that um you know and and that's why they put on the the speed controls coming in and out of the pits so that i mean it's still fast hell you know they're going around the track at 200 plus miles an hour or whatever yeah. and then um coming into the pits 
at 55. To them, it seems slow. Right. But if you're out on the highway and somebody's going by you at 55, you're like, damn. Oh, yeah. And if any, I mean, it, that's, yeah. that's definitely a real phenom phenomenon. I mean, if you've ever been on a long road trip where, you know, you're on like a west east freeway going 80 miles an hour for three hours and you just you know let off your cruise control and start slowing down to like 60 or 50 miles to take an off ramp go to a gas station or something when when you hit 60 right yeah it, it feels already like you're going 30 miles an hour because you've you've been used to going so much faster mm -hmm. and then by the time you hit 50 or 40 you right. almost feel like you're standing still so yeah i can't even imagine what going 200 right. miles an hour feels yeah. like and then slowing down to like the pit lane going even just under a hundred that's got to feel like a snail's pace oh yeah yeah you know it's it, it's crazy but you know it, it's uh it, it's all a safety issue to keep everybody safe that makes sense the, uh, safety is important well yeah yeah if <laughs> If there wasn't safety involved in, you know, sports like this, indeed, there wouldn't be anybody left around to <laughs> to do what they do. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would no longer have a cruel crew because you ran them all over. Well, you run them all over or <laughs> the driver is, you know, slinging out the windshield of the damn car. Or just, just some light vehicular <laughs> homicide. <laughs> Or manslaughter. <laughs> Just a little bit. Okay, Dad, do you have a favorite NASCAR race that you like to watch? I have got two. Okay, which one is it? Daytona. Okay. Talladega. Daytona and Talladega. Because they are the fastest long track most goddamn mayhem <laughs> when they wreck. <laughs> You're here for the cracking. <laughs> no, this Martinsville and Bristol are a couple short track races that are pretty fun to watch because there's a bunch of bumping and grinding. Yeah, Martinsville um, is the shortest Cup Series track. Yes. Yeah. Um, those are are uh, kind of fun to watch. They don't hit the speeds that like Daytona and Talladega do, mm -hmm. but um, they're kind of fun to watch because there's a lot of, um, you know, they bump, they're banging off each other, and it's more of like a demolition derby. <laughs> <laughs> Those fun. Those are fun right. to watch. Do you like a good old? Demolition Derby. I can imagine the owners of the cars are like, that costs a million dollars a pop. Please stop destroying the vehicle so much. Versus, so they had, did they have one at the Hamill Fair? The Hamill Fair used to have demolition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they do that anymore. Yeah, yeah when I forgot about that when I was really, really little. Yeah. I mean, they might still do it, but I haven't yeah. gone in yeah. years. In years. Yeah. Right. But yeah, no, it, it used to be funnier than hell because everybody come driving in in their trucks and their trailers with these cars. And it's like, what the hell are you bringing that here? Wait, where did you get that vehicle? And then they would have, 
like the, all the metal was crunched and everything, yeah. but they've gone in and reinforced, reinforced the frames and stuff, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It does always surprise me that with those cars, they get any anything more than one go out of them, because like you were saying, they they bring in what appear to be cars that cannot run at all anymore. They're bent up and the bodies are all destroyed and stuff, yeah, but it's like, right. they just go in there with a hammer and they bang it out. The, as long as the frame of the car is still fine, like they don't care what it looks like. As long as it can run long enough to win another bout, it's good to go. Right, yeah. right. And the more spray paint they put yeah. on them, the better it is. You know? <laughs> it's extra yeah. protection. Extra strength. It's more, yeah, it's more weight to the vehicle. Right? Yeah. Right? They put on that all that dang spray paint with the skull and crossbones <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> There's a certain level of uh, fun creativity that comes with that sort of thing. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> okay, so I have a question as we have the Indy 500 on. Is there, do you know if there's any sort of, I guess, technique with like rounding the corners with being on the inside versus like on the outside oh, yeah. edge with yeah. racing? Yeah, yeah. Normally, you know, the shortest point is on the inside, mm -hmm. but you got to see the setup of your car. Yeah. An Indy car or a NASCAR. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, the setup on the car is too tight that he can't go, you know, close Unlike to the, the inside. And sometimes it's too loose that you've got to go to the inside. Hmm. Now, tight and loose is the way the car handles them, how the back end, as you corner and accelerate, mm -hmm. feel. If you're tight, you can't turn as good. If you're loose, the back end's going to come around in front of you. Oh. And yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> that is a big problem. It's not how the car is supposed to go. You want the front in the in the front, and you want the rear of the car in the back. Right. Basic racing. Right. That That's why a lot of times when you see these guys coming into the pit, um, they jack up the car, change the tire, and you'll see somebody in the back end of the car with a kind of a crank wrench. Oh, okay. And oh, they okay. crank the the setting on the car to loosen up or down. Oh, and wow. They also do that with tire pressure. So oh. they're, they're constantly monitoring and seeing what they want. Now, Indy cars have um, this like glass screen almost like a cockpit, plain cockpit. Wow. They do all their shifting on the, the steering wheel. There's the little buttons along the side of the steering wheel, oh. and that's where they do all their shifting. I always wondered how that, what those NASCAR were for. Does. No, there's is yeah. more like a traditional manual. Well, yeah, but they'll have also NASCAR, depending on the race, will have automatic transmissions. Oh, but okay. They still constantly the driver doesn't necessarily see it he sees his rpm his oil pressure his engine temperature and 
they don't have the kind of the glass cockpit of the Indy car. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things about them coming into the uh, pit road. They don't have a speedometer. You know, that everything is more off of RPM. Oh, I, I wouldn't have no, guessed. I assume they still had a switch. They kind of know, but yeah, they but if, as they come in to the, the pit roll, they got to be at, at let's see, 5,500 RPMs when they're out running around the track at like 85, 900, wow. yeah, 9,000 RPMs, you know. So they got to back it down and know, and they can kind of they're they're getting. They get practiced enough to yeah. you know that I got to come in, and that's why you'll see them sometimes hit the brakes, smoke coming out of the tires, okay. but yeah. it's like, they don't care. They got to change the damn tires anyway. Yeah. That's a- <laughs> the tires are going. I was going to say, I was one thing I wanted to know is like, how many sets of tires do you think they go through in like one standard race? One standard race? Um, you know the the cup series they go through probably I think they they're allowed six but they go through four to six wow. sets of tires. That's now, so more than I expected. Do, right, and then what they'll do also is what they call stickers. So they may run a a couple of laps or you know twenty laps, let's say, on a set of tires. They bring them into pit for gas, and they change the tires. They'll take those tires that they run on only 20 laps yeah. on, and then they'll take a blowtorch, heat them up, scrape them off, and they're ready to go for another one. They call them stickers. And they usually have a little better traction than a, a brand-new tire. Oh, weird. Huh. So. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But... You know, the the tire manufacturer, which is usually Goodyear, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on who they uh, who they contract with, but they uh, they're constantly working on the makeup of the tire for the track. So it's not like you use a set of tires at Daytona, but then if you go out to California or oh. Arizona and run on one of those tracks. Totally different composite. That so I wouldn't have guessed. They're constantly so it's not just that you have to have a lot of tires. You have to have multiple different types of tires depending on where you're racing. Exactly. Wow. wow. Exactly. That's a lot of friggin' tires, man. Uh, this leads me to another fun, fun car fact. Oh, boy. Um, they actually have a really good initiative in regards to like reducing waste and recycling which i think comes more into play with tires oh yeah <laughs> I, I don't 100 percent know but they also have been trying to do a lot to use like alternative fuels for the vehicles yeah right but they do a lot with like recycling which well, i think yeah. is like parts tires yeah 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 all of that a big part of it is tires and stuff they take and send back to the manufacturer mm-hmm. tires are recyclable that's what well, yeah. they put them back now here's something you guys can think about so 
we take NASCAR, we take an internal combustion engine out of the race, right? Mm -hmm. And it's all electric, but you only get to race half the race. And then everybody's got to go in for a 45 plus minute <laughs> pit stop to recharge their car. Yeah, that is kind of. What the hell? I think a lot of them, um, I think there's some that use um, more of like the corn. What was it? The corn? Ethanol. Ethanol. Mm -hmm. Or um, hydrogen, maybe. I don't know if any of them are like hybrids. That would be where, like you have more. I feel like that would work well because you have the ability to use gas, but like charge the car up for the beginning of the race yeah. and then switch over to gas. They, they, they haven't done that. No, I'm guessing the the weight to power ratio, like sure. yeah, like yeah. the power output versus the weight is probably not efficient enough. Right. Yeah. It's, I it's mean, like, I'm not an engineer or a mechanic, so I don't know. It's like trying to to fly in an electric plane, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You got a big old cargo jet or passenger jet, and it's all electric. You ain't gonna get two passengers yeah. in there because all of it's gotta be the weight of the batteries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna say, if NASCAR yeah. ever switched over to being completely electric, they would probably just make more cars. So instead of like the two or three, you'd probably have like six or something that are already just charged and ready to go. You and then when you come into pit, yeah, you just switch cars. Yeah. Well, or unless they found a way to really yeah. quickly and efficiently like switch the battery packs or something, I suppose that might work. Have a little tray that just kind of slides out. And you just well, pop the new one in. Yeah, the battery packs are heavy as hell. Right, yeah, they are. <laughs> so you have like three They're guys. Super heavy. Well, that's why that is very honestly, heavy. Yeah, it might but, honestly be more efficient to just literally have a, a, an entire second like car already charged and ready to go than actually try to swap the batteries like on the side of the uh, like in the pit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You would you'd come in, they'd bring out another car and you the driver has to jump from right. one car to the other exactly. and then go <laughs> yeah which i haven't seen that happen before because of a driver not feeling well Ooh. i don't remember who it was mm -hmm. not feeling well came into the pits and they switched drivers so they always usually have a backed up driver Ready to go. Ah, Probably a good idea. Yeah. It, yeah. A little longer pit stop, but you know, they got them ready. They're, yeah. The drivers and pit crew are talking all the time, along with the spotters, that they're constant communication. And um, they're like, yeah, man, I'm not feeling good. Get Jose out here because those bees going down. I got to take a shit real bad. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so they they do have you know the the backup in case you know the driver in, in you know they like I say they're constant communication with each other. Right. Um. You know they don't they don't let these guys go out and party it up. Right. You know all night yeah. between races. It's like when they win a race, 
at the end of the race at the end of the weekend okay go for it you got a few days off to go get your yaw-yaws out and then back at it you know <laughs> yeah not partying it up on a friday when you have two more races on the right. way absolutely well i suppose part of like the constant communication too is like during the race the the driver isn't just driving the driver's like feeling the the car and like how the steering is and everything and they're communicating like hey i gotta come in and pit we gotta change this out because this isn't running right yeah 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 and the the driver will be sitting there going, and and they're so in tune with their cars, the slightest little shimmy or shake, right, right, they can feel. And like, I got a shake in my front left tire, or my yeah left back tire. I mean, they feel it; they know it. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's not like a really I'm expensive pushing, uh, uh, like electric system. Like they just they can literally just feel it, and they're like, "There's something wrong up here. I need you to fix this." Yeah, yeah, they they can they can actually, you know, they're they're so in tune with their cars that mm. they can actually feel what's going on with it, and not so much of um, you know relying on electronic stuff as to try to sense it because a lot of times electronic sensors will fail. Yeah, so anything mechanical fail over time the best thing is you got hands on and mm. you're feeling it and your butt's in the seat your butt's going bing 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 you're like oh shit i got a flat tire oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is bad enough when you're on a freeway i can imagine the 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 like terror you would feel going like 200 miles oh, an hour and you're like oh shit right right and and the worst part is on the tires that they have a lot of times now is they got an inner tire and an outer oh. tire. Okay. So if when your tire starts going out, it'll separate, you know, oh, when it goes cool. flat. And then you're driving along and you see your tire pass you, you're <laughs> like, uh oh, Houston, we got a problem. <laughs> Also terrifying, I imagine, at 200 miles an hour. Right. <laughs> and then and then they're just suckered into the seat because that that butt punch gets in and holds it right on down. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you have a favorite current NASCAR driver? You know, there's a couple I like. Um I've always liked Martin Truex Jr. Mm -hmm. Well, and part of that, he raced for a team out of Denver. Oh. That was a couple of years ago. The, the um, mattress factory that was based out of Denver. I don't know why they dropped the NASCAR, but anyway, they did. And um, Is it Mattress Firm? Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people think Mattress Firm is a money laundering scheme so well, maybe that might have something to do with and, it and, um, right right and then, just um, another one uh, that I like is Brad Keselowski okay and uh, just because he's a, a pretty solid stable driver uh, okay um, 
all of the other guys like Jimmy Johnson that was a good driver and all they're all getting old and, re- and retiring. Um those are probably my two. Um Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson's a good driver. I like him. He's young. He's young. So he's gonna be he's gonna be around he's for a little while. Be around for a long time. Um but um oh, I'm trying to think of the who else. Like yeah, you know, those are like a top three. Okay. That's a pretty yeah. pretty good pick. Um, I got some more stats for you. Okay. Oh boy. We got as far as the most successful NASCAR driver is Richard Petty, who was crowned the king yeah, uh, of NASCAR. In his career, he won 200 races. Oh, wow. Including seven NASCAR Cup Series championships. Okay, damn. He currently holds the record for most, which was 127. Yes. I do not know what that means. Oh, yes. When you qualify. Oh, you're okay. In the front row and generally on the inside. Oh, that number one spot. The number one spot. Oh, I think that's pretty good. Out of out of two hundred I mean, wins, he's had a hundred. Oh, he, he yeah, two hundred wins, a hundred and how many poles? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah. Twenty-seven. But he had raced. I don't know how many total races he's ran. Um, I know that he has 556 top five finishes in his career. Wow. Right. But Which is a lot. That's impressive. I don't know how many races he did. It's probably double. If not more. Right. And then I have Kyle Busch has had the most all-time career wins across three national series. Which was 213 wins as of November 2020. Oh, and then I have. I'm not a Kyle Busch fan. That's okay. (laughs) Personal preference. Personal preference. He's too bushly. I don't know much about him, so he's too bushly. (laughs) And that used to be Bush used to be a sponsor of the uh, Xfinity series and the Cup series. That Bush was, and then it was Winston Cup. So oh, okay. Then they got rid of Bush and Winston and then went to Xfinity and then just the Cup Series. Oh, okay. So. And then I have Jeff Gordon made 797 consecutive starts, which is the wow. most out of a driver. Right, right. That's I'm a great driver. I also a good driver. I like him. And then I have uh Will Scott in 1963 was the first African American to win a race since NASCAR became oh, established wow. as an organization. Right. And then my last fun fact is that JD McDuffie went 653 races with win. <laughs> well, I don't remember the name. That's <laughs> I think that's the longest like streak in our every sport has someone like that right they all have one which i mean considering that they're even in NASCAR, they're still better than most people out there so right well potentially yeah potentially you know both the bush brothers got in trouble for um 
driving their cars on the streets of, uh, I believe it's Phoenix. Um, oh, my God. That's where they grew up. They're like, and, we'll just race at home. It's fine. Yeah, no, it, it was a regular car. They were mm. going, hauling out something down the road and uh, a couple of extra cocktails. And, no, oh, uh, yeah. oh, God. Yeah. But they got pulled over in the parking lot in a big mall or whatever, and uh, the cop realized who they were, slapped uh-uh. them on the wrist and said, come and behave yourself. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that set them straight immediately. Got a slap on the wrist. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's all the fun facts I have for you. I don't really have so much of a fun fact, uh, but I was surprised. I've never really had much of an interest in NASCAR, um, uh, but I I I remember watching the first uh, Cars movie, and shortly after I watched that, I ended up just kind of coincidentally watching a sort of like history of NASCAR, like short documentary thing on like the History Channel. And I was amazed at how many details from NASCAR history they actually put into the first Cars movie, even down to just like the look of individual vehicles yeah. and certain events that occurred they put in there. I was like, wow, there's a lot more like history in there to pull from. And they put a lot of it into the first movie. And it was very entertaining. Disney did their research. They're very, yeah, they're very good about and, that. You know, they are. And, you know, NASCAR has been around for a long time, even before the races started. Yeah. Like I say, it was running, running hooch, whiskey, and uh, hooch up and down the road. And um, I tell you what, it, it's got a long lineage. It just needs to get more diversified because it is. Um, it's tough for, yeah. um, you know, minorities and women to get into it. And there's no reason that they can't. Yeah. You know, there's absolutely no reason that they cannot get in there um, other than breaking that dang barrier right. of the good old boys network. I was going to say, you, yeah. you mentioned well, that had, you mentioned that most of them came through like their it was kind of passed down through their families. Is there, and then you also mentioned there were like right. different levels of the races. Is there a place where, like, if you, it, it, it kind of like in baseball, how there's different leagues, different like levels of it? Do you, if you want to get into racing, is there one that you generally would start at if you wanted to get up to NASCAR? Yeah, let me see if I can. I had a thought I had it written down here. Um, Gotta check the notes. Exactly. <laughs> Dang it. Let's see what it... Because, uh... yeah, I wasn't sure if it worked the same way where it was like you work your way up to it or if they just had different versions of races and you just kind of focus on, like, dirt tracks versus street tracks and stuff like that. Yeah, it's... it's um, They go into... Um, I think it's called the Diversity Series. Oh, interesting. Okay. The diver- Diversity series, yeah, goes into um, kind of the startup, and then a lot of them start in, you know, doing go kart racing. Yes. When they're okay. Young yes. And little. Very nice. Right? Hell yeah. And then, then they go, then they go into, um, you know, more of uh, the next level up, which is kind of like more of 
an enclosed guard, mm -hmm. but it's a diversity series is what they um what they call it. And uh, I can see how you have how it's easy to see like the families that have been doing racing because a lot of them are juniors yeah, and yeah. thirds <laughs> now. Right. So like you'll hear like a name and it's like oh junior and you're like oh yep dad did right, racing right. <laughs> dad was a racer yeah and all that. Tony Stewart I don't know if you know Tony Stewart has any kids I really don't I don't know and you know whether he's got them I mean he owns his own racing company now Stewart Ross yeah so. You know, not totally him by himself, but um, he's uh, he was a good driver, kind I of an it. asshole, but he was a good <laughs> kind of an asshole. But at least the driver was dead. Every industry has. I think guys that too. is most most people right. in sports are <laughs> kind of assholes, but they're good at what they do. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you know the the thing about um. The uh, mentality that it takes. You have to, to believe be, you're better than everyone else. Yeah, yeah. You got to be arrogant. Mm -hmm. You got to think that you're the best. Yeah. You got to be goddamn Donald Trump. You got. You, you know? have to believe like, that you can win, otherwise you never will. And I suppose, yeah, imagine, you, especially right? starting Absolutely. out, yeah, you just have to be like, I can do this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna win. And then it's like even after a few losses, you're still right. like, I'm just finding my legs. I'm gonna win eventually. I'm I'm gonna get there. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that and that's what it that mentality, you know, is what it takes for these well, it takes for it for anybody in any kind of professional yeah. sport that you've got to have that mentality that I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna whoop you no matter what it takes. And I'm gonna walk away, waving that checkered flag. Yeah. <laughs> no. I've heard something similar Oops. about like a lot of uh, fighter pilots, where they're like, um, "Yeah, you know, testosterone can get up there, and and uh, maybe a little bit of narcissism. That you know, these guys can have some pretty inflated egos. But it's like, who who do you want up there flying on your wing? You want the guy who's Who's like, boy, I hope we're gonna do this, or the guy who's like, we're gonna destroy these sons of bitches. Like, you want the dude who's gonna go out there and be super right. confident mm -hmm. yeah, and who believes that you're gonna be coming right. back. Yeah, you have yeah. to have the arrogant confidence. Yeah, uh, that just I kind of blind belief that you're here's, better than everybody. Right. And here's a little story for you that has nothing to do with the NASCAR thing. Was a little this, tangent. We love it. This friend of mine or I, I i know him he's older than me quite a bit he used to be an airline pilot but he was in the military first and he was over in middle east and flying that like i think it was an f-16 maybe an f-15 i don't know exactly but he, he was over and they were supposed to operate on saddam hussein's um compound wow and they kept flying in with the jets, and he was in the lead jet and zeroed in on the front door 
and launched the missile and said, knock, knock, motherfucker. <laughs> Classic. That is a good line. Wow. It's kind of amazing. If it's you're going to use a line like that, yeah, exactly. you use well, it. He wasn't found afterwards. <laughs> so it, it went right down in to where it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, hole in one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Do you have any other stuff to tell us about NASCAR? No, I will probably in a future episode come up with some more things that maybe about NASCAR drivers fishing or um, skiing. Okay. Or we could do rodeo people skiing. We see it steamboat every year, and we know they can't ski for shit. <laughs> yeah, that intense pizza punch forward squat thing. I actually do they look like. I actually do have a question fall on for their you. Face almost, but don't. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I was just curious if uh, the 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 treats that you had out here out here for us today, like the the mushu. Uh, pork and the and the drink do are they are they for you at least evocative of of something related to NASCAR? Like, is there a reason that you wanted to have these particular treats for this episode? No, okay. just because Celine said strange pairings. Fair enough. I've thought, well, hell, that's about as strange as you can get. <laughs> I would if you wanted a pairing with NASCAR, it would have been hot dogs and beer. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, when she first mentioned it, that was kind of my first go to. I'm like, yeah, yeah like hot dogs, nachos, and a bunch of beer. Right. No, I, I mean, I'm not complaining. It was very delicious. It was good. I like that it was different. Yeah, very fresh. We we seem to have a tendency to go towards very like high fat content stuff, and not that I'm, I'm assuming this isn't exactly health food, but definitely more vegetable based stuff than we we usually have. Right. I feel like we've done pretty good with having like one of our last pairings was like an orange. We've had like oh, sunflower true, yeah. seeds, peanut. <laughs> we've had some of that more lately, which is a good. little bit. Yeah. Trail mix is arguably arguably healthy, depending on the, the setup of it. We've had a we've had a few right. in there, depending suppose, on the context. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have any ratings for our food drink pairing today? Um, I the the drink is easily. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a nine. It's 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 right up there. I think only that. I did put a splash of vermouth on it, and I'm not a huge vodka fan, but it's hard to beat for me, like, especially getting into summer here, like, a refreshing sort of, well, I suppose it's not citrus, but a fruity drink, like a pineapple martini. It's very good. And I'm going to give the snack uh, a seven, not for taste or presentation necessarily, but my entire kitchen is, like, destroyed right now. And I just don't feel like, <laughs> like based on taste alone, it's a 10. But I <laughs> I found this to be strangely very frustrating. 
Right. You have to clean up later. Yeah. It was a lot. I think the problem for me is that I keep wanting to do more like Asian uh, dishes, and I just have no concept. Like a lot of the times, the recipes will just say like, like, like for making the mushu pancakes, it just said place the pan, place the cakes in a heated pan, and I'm like a heated pan, and I went through like three times. And I'm like, like high, low, medium. How hot is it supposed to be? But it's usually the limited experience yeah. I have with... Right, right. Well, and, like, when you're cooking with a wok, the way that, like, the heat distribution works, you can cook really hot and really fast and not worry so much about burning things. Mm -hmm. but I'm using using just a traditional frying pan on a uh, one of those, like, glass, yeah. glass top electric thingies. So I think a lot of this for me is just a very big learning curve, and I, and I am not super experienced, so... I'll try to get better with uh, with time. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think together they're uh, they're a solid eight. It's very good. Yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, Dad, what would you rate it? I'd rate it probably about uh, nine and uh, ten. Nice. Also. <laughs> I I would agree with the. I'd probably just give it. A nine all around. Although I would have to say an eleven because my kitchen isn't such a much as a disaster <laughs> as yours. Gabriel did a good job not destroying the kitchen. Well, and it's it's not it's not super. I mean, it's mostly messy right now because I'm still like moving and I just have shit everywhere. But I mean, I even cleared clear, uh, cleared off part of the counter to to put some flour down, and I was kneading dough and stuff, and that went pretty well. And by the time I got done with like, uh, like like from the instant that I put the pork into the pan, I wasn't sure if I just had it too hot or if I was playing with it too much. But I mean, it immediately just became scorched and black, and I'm like, oh shit, the cornstarch is just oh, no. absolutely burning to the bottom of this freaking <laughs> pan. And then I. I was trying to cool it down because I wanted to use the same pan to make the, the cakes. And so I put it in the sink and I put some water in it and it just steamed the whole apartment. And I'm like, oh, please don't like set off a fire alarm. And then I had to switch to just use it. Please don't burn yeah. I'm like, I just got here. I don't want it to be destroyed. But it, it's so caked in the bottom yeah. there that I'm like, going to have to scrape it off. And so you, you had already, like, I think it was already 10 minutes past the like 10 minutes I said I was going to be late already. So I'm like, I just need another pan. I just need to get these goddamn cakes finished and get a, get a move on. <laughs> and luckily the cakes went actually better than expected. I was expecting the cakes to be the more frustrating part, but... The more difficult yeah, part. Yeah, but the recipe even said like, okay, now fry the pork. And that seemed like it took longer than it needed to. And it got more scorched than it I wanted it to. And then it's like, and then you make the eggs and put all of that aside and then put the vegetables in. I'm like, but the vegetables are just gonna burn too. And then put the sauce in and then put everything back in. And I'm like, man, I am not prepared for this shit. It's not ready. No, I was, uh, I thought it was gonna be a super easy, just toss everything in and it's good to go. It was, uh, it was more involved than I, than I thought. But we got it done, damn it. And it was tasty. It was tasty, which is tasty, what we yeah. like. We like that's stuff that's tasty. Thing. Yeah, it's the taste. It tastes good. It's good. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, I can't know? deny it was very. And I slathered the uh, the the final instructions. Was like take your your warmed um, mushu cakes 
and put hoisin sauce on them and then put the meat in and then roll it up. And I'm like, that was a good move. It kind of keeps everything together in the, I don't usually have like just hoisin sauce mm-hmm. on stuff, but um, yeah, all the flavors work together really yeah. well. It was delicious. Well, you can use that hoisin sauce for a lot of different things. So I, I think mean, I will pretty, too. Yeah. Good little... Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll start trying yeah. to put it in ramen and stuff. It was very so... good. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. So where can the people find us? Oh, yes, of course. If you have any suggestions or uh, or complaints or hate mail or whatever, you can send it to peculiarpairingspod at gmail.com. And you can tweet at us on the Twitters at peculiarpairpod. Check us out on Instagram at peculiarpairingspod and uh, look us up on Patreon. Why not? Yes. And that concludes our episode for today. Right. Thanks for being on with us today, Dad. Yeah. Sure. Thanks for being with us, Kenny. That was awesome. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, we'll talk no to you in the future. Yes, yeah. good to see you. Yeah. And uh, thanks for having me. Wonderful. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll yeah, we'll see y'all next, next time. time. Bye bye. <laughs>